Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, I am sharing a short yet powerful snippet from my recent conversation with the minimalist TK Coleman, where we explore how a minimalist lifestyle plays a role in helping us make sense of our own dreams. You will be reminded that a minimalist lifestyle is more than about things. This simple way of life not only challenges us to let go of excess things, but it also teaches us to live with greater intention. And together we discuss how living with less gives us the space and time back to explore our interests, pursue our goals, and embrace our authentic selves. You will be inspired to eliminate the barriers in your life, such as the excess things, time commitments, or mental roadblocks that may be keeping you from pursuing your ambitions. And if you enjoy this snippet, please be sure to listen to our full conversation in episode 151 titled, Follow Your Curiosity with the Minimalist TK Coleman. And as always, you can find this link in our show notes. Be inspired by TK's great insights on the power of simplicity and intentionality and be motivated to pursue what makes you come alive. I'm curious, you are now one of the minimalists. And I was wondering what kind of excess did you need to eliminate in your life? And how has a minimalist lifestyle or a minimalist mentality played a positive role Mm. in your experiences and in your life today? Mm. Okay. So in order to answer that question, I got to take a step back and, and, and frame what minimalism is to me. So minimalism is a little bit like success in a sense. It's something that you have to define for yourself, right? What success means to me isn't the same as what success means to you, right? I I think it was Nightingale who said that success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal. Well, what is a worthy goal? A worthy goal is something that is in accordance with your values, your priorities, your preferences, right? And so no matter where we want to go in life, no matter what our dreams are, no matter what our ambitions are, The way to get there is by letting go of the things that hold you back from doing what you already know how to do, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, um, how, how do you make a balloon float? Oh, the balloon already knows how to do that. Right. It's, it's, it's more about how do we remove the things that hold it down from doing what it naturally does. I, I think about in terms of education, there's this question of like, how do we get people to be more curious? right? That's like the holy grail of education. How do we get people to be more curious? And my, my constant answer to that has always been, you don't. You mm. respect the fact that they already are curious. And then you ask yourself, how can I stay out of the way? Right? So if you look at human beings in their most primitive state, you, you look at children and you find that children are more curious than we could possibly handle. Every little thing that you take for granted. Why is that? Why is that? Why are you doing that? Why are you wearing that? Why are you eating that? You know, well, why did you trip on the floor? You know, why did you just look back right now? Well, why this? Why that? And, and you don't have enough answers to keep up with them, right? They're almost annoyingly curious. And it's only over time we start to condition them away from being curious. We punish them for it. We tell them that their curiosity matters less than their homework. We tell them, stop asking so many questions. We tell them this, we tell them that. And over time, by the time you get older, you learn to be a lot more quiet about what you're curious about. You learn to take it a little bit less seriously. But the question is not, how do you make people curious? It's how do you prevent yourself from killing that curiosity? 
right? And, 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 I, and I think it's true in, when it comes to success, when it comes to peace, when it comes to all of the good things in life, no one can tell you how to be you. No one can tell you how to take the brilliance and beauty that is you and let it shine. But what they can help you do is stop the process of getting out of your own way, because that's what culture conditions us to do. It conditions us to get in our own way because we're afraid. Well, if I, if I'm honest about that, maybe somebody will laugh at me. Well, if I go after that, maybe I'll fall on my face and embarrass myself and never survive. Or maybe if I ask that question uh, and, and admit that I don't know what that teacher is talking about, people will think that I'm the stupid kid. And, and so we, we acquire all this baggage, right? And so for me, minimalism isn't so much about things. Minimalism is about the baggage we've accumulated over time that gets in the way of us being our true self. And sometimes that baggage can take the form of physical objects, but sometimes that baggage can take the form of philosophical beliefs that are self-defeating. It can take the baggage of toxic relationships. It can take the baggage of commitments that we've outgrown. It can take so many other forms, right? So there's physical clutter, but there's relational clutter. There's emotional clutter. There's calendar clutter. There's all sorts of clutter. And for me, where minimalism has been helpful is that it teaches me to live intentionally, to always approach life in terms of what are the results that matter most to me? What are the experiences and outcomes that matter most to me? And what's getting in my way? What's holding me back? What's holding me back from saying yes to the life that I really want to live? Is it, is it me having too many things? Is it me having too many commitments? Is it me saying yes to too many people? Is it me putting too much pressure on myself to achieve more than I want? Is it me having too many things on my calendar or too many beliefs about how I ought to be? You know, those are the things that, that hold us back. And, and, and that's, I, I think for me, most of my excess in life has been internal excess, mm -hmm. internal excess, like a million and one reasons for why if I follow my dreams, I'm going to permanently embarrass myself and have to just go hide away in a cave and never be able to show my face again, you know? And for me, it was just putting my foot out there one step at a time, trying things in a small way, taking risks to the best of my ability, and then realizing, oh, once you get over here on the other side of that fear... Oh, it's an entirely different story than the myths that you build up in your mind, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think minimalism fosters great reflection. It challenges you to do the work, figure out why you are the way you are today. Think about your past, especially for my co-host and I, I would say that mental clutter has been the area that we've had to work through the most. And it's a continual process. You aren't just a minimalist one day and, <laughs> and you're a minimalist forever. It's like you have to constantly work on it. And in speaking to a therapist and all these things, you realize why you are the way you are today. When you gave the example of putting your hand up, for example, I used to be super shy. I was shy my whole childhood until I hit mm. university. And I was so scared to put my hand up because wow. I was scared that I would ask the wrong question and I would look smart. And then I broke through that one day. I asked a question and I was like, wow, that was easy. My face went bright red, but I was like, okay, I can keep doing this. And then when yeah. it came to delivering speeches, it was like, huh. you got to go in front of a class of people and 
I was nervous. And I remember, you know what, instead of being nervous, I'm going to just announce to the class, Hey, everybody, mm-hmm. my face is going to turn really, really red. I'm just going to let you know in the beginning, it's going to turn really, really red <laughs> so that they didn't need to point it out every time I went up there. Cause usually people would point it out. Yeah. And so, so anyways, that's maybe going on a tangent, but this is good. In those experiences, I realized, okay, so this was this about me and I was this way. And this is why I think like this sometimes. And mm. I think a lot of people who have this crazy drive have had a moment in their childhood or their lives where they were told maybe they weren't good enough. Mm. And I definitely, definitely had that. And I believe that I share that with a lot of people who are pursuing their passions. They were told mm. that they couldn't do something and it's almost like a challenge. Like, yes, I can. You know, I've been told that I can't, but I've been maybe exploring all my interests and I'm learning in the process and realizing that, yeah, I can pursue this passion. So that feels really, really good. And so I, I'm, mm. I'm glad to hear that minimalism has done that for you because I think that's extremely relatable. I think a lot of people, they just think, oh, well, maybe my possessions are overwhelming and that's why I can't do what I want to do in my life. And maybe that's the case. But it, it's usually a big mental roadblock, a roadblock that we put on ourselves or that maybe a peer has put onto us. Oh, you can't do that. Or maybe it's a parent. Oh, you can't do that. And so yeah. this lifestyle allows you to make the time for yourself to dig deep, reflect, and go into each day more mindfully and with greater intention. And I think that it's that space and that clarity that really helps us focus forward. Yeah, that that's so good. I, I like what you said about how when when you when you clear the stuff out of the way, you realize okay, there there's still more stuff to clear out, but it, but it's it's just not the stuff that you can see, right? It's the stuff on the inside, and I think that's because physical clutter is a manifestation of non-physical clutter. It's a manifestation of psychological clutter, but we can't see it because we've created through this physical clutter an escape route, a way to distract ourselves from the inner clutter. It, it's the same thing with our cell phones, right? All of these notifications, all of these easy dopamine hits that we get, they provide an easy way for us to escape the ghosts that haunt us when we're alone. But you put the cell phone away and you just close the door and you go alone in a room and stuff that's always been there begins to rise up and and, and you can run from it or you can deal with it. And And when you deal with it, you find, oh man, there's so much freedom from being willing to go there. But oftentimes you have to clear away some of the physical stuff in order to notice that again. And so I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And I thought that was really cool. Another thing I'll say too, is there is a version of minimalism that can be as much of a cop out as, as, as uh, spending your whole day scrolling. And, and, and it's the version of minimalism that I call like mathematical legalism, where mm-hmm. you, you try to come up with some universal formula for the right amount of stuff to have. Right. And you say, well, righteousness is if I have less than 15 things, that makes me a good person. Right. And, and so I'm going to strive to be this kind of person who fulfills this quantitative standard of righteousness. And that can be just another way of hiding because it's like, well, now you're just being a legalist in the opposite direction in the same way that you made a God out of consumerism. Well, now you're making a God out of, you know, the mathematics of minimalism. You're defining integrity by the number of things that you don't own, which, which can be just as damaging as defining, you know, success by the number of things you do own. It's not about how many things you have or how many things you don't have. It's about what are you willing to let go of 
in order to say yes to the life that you really want. And for mm -hmm. some people, that means boiling it down to 15 things. For some people, that means boiling it down to 30 things. For some people, it might mean one thing. For another person, it might mean 100 things. But it's about not about the number. Don't hide behind the numbers. It's about being willing to look within and say, hey, what makes me come alive? Mm -hmm. And what am I willing to do in order to get there, you know, in order to live that? 100%. I always imagine, you know, you see all these people out in the world. Some people are super, super fancy. Some people aren't as fancy. Some people are more minimalist in their attire. And people judge people by the surface or by their titles at their job titles. But at the end of the day, if we're all in a room, let's put everybody in the same clothes. You know, what's the most interesting thing about each person is how they share their stories, how they talk, what their experiences right. are. So you want to invest in the growth in yourself. You don't want to invest in all those expensive purchases. Like it doesn't, that's right. that stuff's not meaningful. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you've done some podcasts with the minimalists about death and you had a near death experience and you think about, okay, what are the things that I'm going to leave on this earth? What are people going to remember about me? They're not going to remember the fancy things that I own. They're going to remember how I made them feel when we had a conversation. Yeah. So. And if they do remember you just for the things that you own, oh, how heartbreaking would it be to be able to come back and see that your name only gets brought up when people are fighting over who gets possession of your stuff? Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty heartbreaking. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I feel like I, what I love about this lifestyle is it, 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 it challenges you to do the work to become your best self. You know, you yeah. remove the excess. Yeah. Yeah. What's left is you. And you now have the opportunity to pursue everything that you wanted to. And this actually goes well into my next question. You often remind your audiences that discovering our dreams is one thing, but in order to make our dreams become a reality, we have to make intentional decisions. So there's one thing to clear the excess and realize, okay, these are my interests and I can turn one of these into a passion. But there's another thing to actually make quality decisions that get us closer to our goals. But the problem with that is that sometimes we can feel too overwhelmed. We're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how where to start. I don't know what to do. And we feel like sometimes that we have to do it all and we have to work 24 seven in order to achieve our dreams, which often hinders our ability to start. So I'm curious what you think about that and how we can stop putting that pressure on ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, so a lot of this starts with why it's possible to have a dream that doesn't even belong to you. So in psychology, we, we often talk about projection, right? Which is when, when somebody take, takes what's going on inside of them and, and they project it onto you. So, you know, maybe, Maybe I say, Kelly, I think you're jealous of me when really what's happening is I'm jealous of you, right? But I'm projecting that onto you. I'm taking my internal mess and I'm projecting it onto you. Well, the opposite of that is introjection. Introjection is when I take what's going on with somebody else and I internalize it as my own. So one of the common ways that we might introject is maybe you grow up. And maybe someone tells you what they think you'd be good at or what they think that you were born to do, right? And so maybe somebody else has a concept of the good life for you and you really want to impress them or make them proud. And you can internalize somebody else's dream for you when that dream isn't really the thing that makes you come alive. And we live in a culture now where there are so many external forces that are just like feeding us these narratives about what will get, make us happy, what will make us successful. And then we go on social media and no matter how old you are, there's, there's at least one person that's half your age 
that's got way better output than you, right? Like there's somebody that's half your age that's already published like three, four books. They produce like four or five movies. You know, they made four or five million, whatever it is you want to do. You know what I mean? They've already done that and moved on. And, and so you look at that and you're like, oh man, I, I really got to get it going. And so by the time we come up with our dreams and our strategy for pursuing it, there's a decent chance that it's been contaminated by so many factors that don't even represent our authentic self. And if you find yourself rushing, feeling like you need to achieve your dream overnight, it may very well be the case that you've got some things going on that have mingled themselves together with your dream that aren't really about the dream. It's about maybe impressing this person, keeping up with this person, feeling like you're behind and so on. And, 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 and I think really in, in terms of dealing with that, it's, it's realizing that success isn't about what you have or where you end up. It's, it's also about how you got there. It's also about the uniqueness of your story. This world doesn't just need stories of people who knew that they wanted to play the piano since they were five. That's an awesome story. But thank God that's not the only story, because I, I like the story of of the guy who played in a rock band who decided when he was in his 30s that he wanted to go into neurology, even though he didn't know anything about that. I like that story, too. I like the story of the priest who used to be an atheist. Right. That's what I like. That's an interesting story. And so we need all of these beautiful stories. And so success isn't just going to be about, oh, I finally wrote a book. I finally made a movie. I finally got this job or I, I finally you know, moved to this city. It's also going to be about the particular struggles that you faced along the way, the people that you met along the way. And so if you felt like your life isn't moving as quickly as other people's, you know, I, I would opt out of that comparison game. And I would say the beauty of my story is what I desire for me for the sake of my aliveness. And it's also about my hero's journey of how I'm going to get there. And that's when you can begin to approach the game of life a little bit more playfully. And you don't have to treat your dreams as something that you gotta give yourself a heart attack for working you know, 200 hours a week just to make things happen by the end of the month. You can say, no, like this is what makes a beautiful story. Life is a gift that's given to us so that time doesn't happen all at once. And it's a beautiful thing to give your story the chance to breathe to give your story the chance to make it un to unfold because that's what's going to make your story interesting that's what's going to make it that's what's going to make it worth telling you know like if if someone were to make a movie about your life you know chances are they'll decide to make the movie based on something cool you accomplished right so so here's Kelly and Kelly won an academy award right for her amazing performance in this movie all right okay cool we're going to make a movie about Kelly well you know what the movie is not going to be? It's not going to be you winning the Academy Award. If we put that in the movie at all, that's probably going to be like two minutes worth, right? Because that's going to be the most boring part, hands down, even if it's the reason why we make the movie. The only thing that's going to make this movie interesting at all is the part where, hey, is there a stage in Kelly's life where she had no idea that she was even good enough to win an Academy? Oh, yeah, let's go spend at least 30 minutes on that. Hey, was there a part of Kelly's life where she was really confused and maybe doubting herself and thinking about giving up. Oh yeah. We got to put that scene on there. Is there any scene where she was like yelling at somebody or crying because she just hated her life? Oh, that's definitely in the movie. Is there any <laughs> scene where somebody told her that she never achieved anything? That's definitely in the movie, right? Like all of the stuff that we're in a rush to get over with 
that 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 commits us to all of these things like overworking or wearing ourselves out, all of that stuff. That's what's going to make the story worth telling. That's what's going to make the movie worth watching. That's the exciting part. That's the human part. That's the part that other people connect with. The part where you won the Oscars, the part where you got that million dollar check. Yeah, we, we might put that like when the movie's over, we might put that in words like Kelly went on to win a million dollars and win the Oscar, right? Or we might yeah. end with a picture of you holding your Oscar, but we can't make a movie out of that, even right. if that's the reason why we make the movie, you know? It's that process. That's the, the best part. The process is the best part. The process uh, like, is the life part. That's what life is. Yeah. And it, that's where that's where the story lies.